Hello and welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton, and with me today is Andy. Hi, hi, hi. Duncan. Hey there. And Jeff. Yellow. We are back fortnightly again for another and fortnight is in the t- count the time unit not the not the the <laughs> not, breakaway zoomer hit uh, not the video game like. not the video game not the dances the time unit every two weeks we come here to talk about anime and this time we are going to be talking about possibly our most nebulous topic death of the author um i'm pretty sure that quarter to three, three by three style. I think that several people are going to have very different interpretations of this topic, which hopefully will lead to some interesting which discussion. Is impo- which is incredibly uh, uh, appropriate for And after the break, we are going to be talking about uh, Home Poco, the, uh, the Isao Takahata movie from, I believe, early 90s. I should have actually looked this up. 1994. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, we will also be talking about blistering breaking news. Uh, thus spoke... Uh, Kishibe Rohan, whatever. And you tried to coach me and I did not listen. I just tuned you out like I always do. No, you said it. And then I was like, great, you got it. Bam, we can move on. Kishibe Rohan. Kishibe uh, Rohan. Best spoke yeah. Kishibe Rohan, um, which apparently is going to have some, some relation to what we talk about during the first half. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're going to make this one short and sweet. And if we don't, we're going to cut out me saying that. So Duncan, <laughs> take it away. Oh dear. So, um... Over 60 years ago, a academic called Roland Bass argued that to give a text an author is to impose a limit on that text, to which it has then created 50, another 60 years of people grousing over what, what exactly he meant when he said that, which, was, <laughs> which just kind of goes to show how this can if we are not careful, let this whole thing go wildly out of of control. So, I think it's death of the author is something which is is a very post postmodern uh, concept, and I think its re- its relevance to anime in particular comes from the, the ways in, in that we, the audience, are di- div- divorced from the authorial intent in ways which don't apply to most most media um the ones which spring sprang to my mind were uh, translation adaptation and interpretation what does death of the author even mean when we can't speak the language that the text was written in um what does it mean when what we're, we're seeing on screen is a copy of a copy of a copy it's it's the anime adaptation of a manga adaptation of a light novel, um, which was in turn an adaptation of a web novel. <laughs> like it's right, just it's a game of telephone almost. Yeah, mm. and what does it even mean to talk about death of author in a medium which is almost entirely collaborative and where there are strict not editorial not quite editorial lines between uh, the people writing the dialogue and the people people all doing the animation but where they they are still very separate crafts and separate um creatives so last week was a great example of this topic strangely because we talked about the problems of adapting japanese puns um in language, and we also talked about how I'm a spider, so what uh, deviates massively from the form which me and John had both seen it previously in manga. And I think 
um, in the West in particular, because light novels have not uh, permeated um, the, the, the culture as much as uh, manga, manga have sort of become the uh, authoritative texts when people talk mm-hmm. about anime in a way that light, even if a light novel exists for, for something, people st- still seem to default to the manga because it, it codifies the visual representation, which makes up as so much of what an anime does. And so it's like the, it's like the midway point where people assume like, okay, this stuff set in stone from here on. And so from that, I'm just going to open it up from, to everyone from there. Like that's, that's, that's my, my starting point. Like Mang, do you, what, how do you guys feel about, about that particular statement? That I would, I would say that, <clears throat> personally, I'd say that we, we haven't chosen manga or light novels as the authorial choice. I think we actually choose anime over anything else because um, at the end of the day, you've got a bunch of um, manga people uh manga producers who are saying what is the hot thing what's kind of what are people loving online or in japan and so they point to the stuff that's being adapted right now into manga or is planning to be adapted into manga as the size as the stuff that they're going to translate because they know it's going to have an audience um so i actually don't think you know we got we have the monogatari series in light novel form we have uh a fair few other shows in light novel form I don't really know. I, personally, I don't really read them, but also personally, I, I've kind of been out of touch with manga anyway. Like the <laughs> manga that I've kind of been reading is the stuff that it's just like, well, you're not going to translate Solo Exchange Diary or My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness. Like that's just not going to be translated because how are you going to translate that? Like, I thought it has been translated. Story? It has been translated, Andy. Do you mean no, it's anime? Oh, okay, okay. Yes, like, oh, so. an anime. Yes. Apologies. Yeah, it's, Cause, not cause, it's not going to be adapted to anime. Um, I mean, that, that's that's a, that's a good good slip. Like, well, I I mean, I mean, I would say that what you're coming from, Andy, is definitely the commercial aspect, which is that manga that anime is the dominant form because it is like a high boom, high bust situation. Like, a manga is either is either successful or it it wastes a lot of money, and its only like commercial justification is getting people to read the manga. In Japan, but I would say that at least in terms of cultural cachet, if you go on any forum thread or or post and talk about how you liked an anime that has a manga form, you will have twenty people jumping down your throat immediately to say, <laughs> "Oh, the manga's great! You got to read the manga. Manga's got everything." Like everyone, and I think that 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 is the kind of symbiotic relationship between manga and yeah. anime, and even light novel to to a lesser extent. I know that you know. I mean, Jeff worked through all the Monogatari series novels that he could. I tried to read the Haruhi novels, but it's just not a format that I enjoy reading. It feels it feels like a bizarre halfway house between actual literature and manga and takes the weakest points of both at times. Mm-hmm. But um yeah. but it is very interesting how like how people get into anime and then like if you're a true fan, oftentimes you will seek out the manga version. And oftentimes what you're it it reminds me of how people think about fan fiction where you're trying to find something that like completes or fills out your experience Mm. because anime are often very restricted in terms of what they're addressing either because they don't have enough budget or because the, the medium is so different. So like I I would, I, I think it's an interesting question of like what, what is the dominant Japanese pop media life form on the internet? 
but I don't know if it is manga or anime. I guess it determine it depends on who you're asking. I mean, we're asking like the the hardcore fan or the businessman or what. Right now, it's probably Hololive, which is kind of a weird uh, <laughs> combination of both. Uh, and and I think like to a large degree, a lot of uh, manga is written to, with the intent of it being a property of you know to be you know adapted into manga and into a you know a, a mobile game and into light novels and everything else. And I mean, I think, I'll, I think I'll... the I would say there's just literally anything that's now being written. Like you, you literally, even if you're like a small time independent author or artist, like you're literally selling your brand. I think it's now everyone's got the idea of a franchise in their head. I don't think it's, I don't think it's specific to anime this at all. Um, yeah. Although, yeah. although I do think that that Japan has embraced like transmedia potential a lot more aggressively than yeah. than mm-hmm. maybe in the west i was seeing um this is a, a bit of a digression but like star wars the high republic which is like finally like the official mainstream attempt to make like a knights of the old republic media franchise and i was like oh i thought it was i was like oh it's a comic book but no it's two comic books an adult an, a, a young adult novel series an adult novel series and one possibly two cartoons and that makes me throw up my hands where i'm like well how the fuck am i supposed to like <laughs> what what's the thing i'm supposed to consume I, i'm not gonna i'm not but gonna read the answer is a young adult novel and an adult novel and watch two tv shows no absolutely not and but the i think anime the answer is everything ben like with that star wars <laughs> stuff like they want you to consume it all and that's yeah. and that's where it gets to a point where I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> I yeah. just like I am extremely excited f- to like read about like Jedi during the High Republic. Good thing John's not on here to like groan and hiss. <laughs> but uh, uh, our anti Jedi guy. But uh, but no, like the moment that I'm like, oh, I've got to trace track down that stuff. I give up, and that doesn't really happen with anime. Where like mm-hmm. I I I don't feel like I'm not. I don't. I, this contradicts a little bit of what I said before, but I don't feel like I'm not a true fan if I don't if I don't hunt down the Mushishi manga, um, even though I love even though I love the anime. Like, I, like. I like the anime. It's enough. I don't need to. <laughs> One hundred pound the... translation because I think they did like ten <laughs> volumes and then they just gave up. They're like, wow, this isn't selling. We'll just never print it again. <laughs> I mean, that's what happened with the with the Sarin Setsubo Sensei. They did all mm-hmm. they the first four volumes um, have like all these like re- like explain every single joke and reference, and then the next seven volumes. No, that's not true. The next ten volumes, they're like, oh, we'll just explain mm-hmm. the jokes that like it won't make sense if you don't know what what he's talking about. And then they just gave up because no one bought them because they are. <laughs> I because they're Japanese it, cultural critiques. I always find that it somehow got popular. Yeah, I always find it fun. Like whenever a, a big Japanese game comes over here, like Persona Five, there are people um, just ripping it to shreds as to the translation quality and how different and how bad it is. And then the next version comes out, and they're just like, "Oh, well, we've fixed it. We've fixed a bunch of stuff now. We've like we've retranslated everything." And I'm just like. Why? What? Why? <laughs> no, that 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 hacks certain nerd brains. Like, yeah. oh, here's the better one. Here's the here's the director's cut. Here's is, the limited edition. The here's the complete intent, edition. Is the true yeah. intent of Ryuji's meaning when he grunted and punched the TV? <laughs> <laughs> and I think when 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 the when the concept of death of the author was originally proposed, though sixty years ago, I think a lot of it was also to 
sidestep exactly these kinds of conversations because I think it's <laughs> it's it's I think it's very reasonable to say that like manga and anime and all of those are first and foremost a product and then you know if you're lucky they're also you know some of the you know the artistic merit gets to sneak in there if the the person at the helm has enough clout to push back on all the things that people want to add just to make it more appealing and yeah. when we talk about and like at the interesting relationship that the west has with anime is that we often will get a you know a a, a media artifact is sort of parachuted in completely devoid of any kind of cultural context or any anything else. And it's like, you know, if you watch uh, Gundam Wing, like, you know, if you're a Gundam guy, it's like Gundam Wing is like, ah, it's all right. You know, it's mainstream. But if if you were a kid in the 90s, that was Gundam. That was all of it. And right. you, you know, you did you, you didn't get any of the jokes. You didn't understand necessarily like why certain characters acted certain ways. It was just it was this completely self-contained thing. And I think a lot of, in a lot of ways, like the way we consume media now, especially with uh, social media, is that even if you try to do that, if you wanted to interact with it in any way online, it you have to engage with like the go the 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 global cultural like imp, you know impact of this thing and like the author is online and is like updating facts about the the novel post hoc and also this author had said some shitty things in 1995 and now you have to take that into consideration and all these other things and like it seems like the like you know the idea of death of the author was mostly appealing you know be, you know it's 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 sort of it's appealing if you just like I just want to talk about this thing I don't want to engage with it on this deeper level and also you know, because, you know, a lot of manga authors are, you know, they have, you know, you know, problematic takes or they're just like kind of creepy weirdos in their own time. You don't want to like, you know, acknowledge that this guy who wrote this story about this cool cyborg lady also happens to make most of his money <laughs> off of writing about and drawing, you know, greasy wet women in pornography for the last 10 years. You know. This is a very impressive subtweet, Jeff. I, I want you to feel proud of it. <laughs> Who could we be talking about? Who could we possibly be talking about? <laughs> it, I, I actually don't know. Is it the Appleseed guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. It is the Appleseed guy. Uh, yeah. Or the Ghost in the Shell guy. Or yeah. the Dominion Tank Police guy. Or the Galgrease guy. Don't yeah. look up Galgrease, listeners. <laughs> or if you do, make Unless sure you it's in see... incognito mode. <laughs> yes. Unless you want to see a picture of a of an anthropomorphic horse... Uh, having sex with a human woman in a, ba- in a bathtub of lube uh, <laughs> and you don't want to look Gal- up Gal Grease. Well, I'm looking up. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Okay, well, we've lost Andy. Um, I do think it, it's interesting because I think that oftentimes people people do death of the author as, as a shortcut to not have to engage with these large communities because I think that on the internet oftentimes enjoying work and advocating for it automatically puts you in a community where you're where you are confronted with people who have to who have different ideas and a lot of them are are very emotionally attached to to the interpretation that they have and oftentimes they do like use anti-death of the author arguments of like oh uh yoshiyuki tomino said this in an interview mm-hmm. um or or sometimes you have to ignore it because yoshiyuki tomino's got some very old-fashioned ideas that yeah. even people like hideki Anno have to push back on mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh but 
but yeah, a lot of people don't. Yeah, sometimes don't, people don't... just want to do like a, a cadaver synod of the author just so they can yeah. feel good about not liking a certain art or a, a certain work. Right, right. Digging up why why they are a bad person. Um, but I do think that like oftentimes authors, and this is what I personally believe is the best thrust of death of the author is oftentimes authors don't get what's best about their work. Like the 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 specific auth, uh, works that I have written out here in my notes are all works where this kind of overlaps with our adaptation thing. But I do think I'm going to come at it from a different angle where the author didn't maybe didn't have the best idea. Like I think of Kare Kano, especially, which I'll be talking about a lot later, where she got people kicked off. She got Ano and his protege kicked off the project um, because he was putting too much humor into it. He was making it too funny and he wasn't making it enough about like the romantic drama of the two main characters. And so we have a very active like death of the author idea where where Anno and his crew made a work that was so offensive to the author that she sabotaged the project and sunk it. And she'll never have an anime adapted adapted again because because she saw it as such a, a violation of her work. But I think that I think that Karakano is better as a man anime than as a manga where Yukino basically gives up all of her personality and identity and just turns into housewife mode by the end of the by the end of the manga and that's not where you'd want her character to end up if you liked her at all in the first place it's a very weird experience that also happened uh in azamanga dio as well the author really hated the adaptation of azamanga dio which mm. i haven't actually seen to be fair but it sounds insane <laughs> like, really god yeah. andy you're such a baby <laughs> i and it, I, I read the manga in like one go and i'm just like it's going to be the same i t- it is. Um, it is. It's, there's some good performances, but that's about it. I've seen all the bits. I don't need to see it all. It's like I don't need to watch Jurassic Park either because I've seen the bits. Yeah. <laughs> we're not. We're not getting in this fight. <laughs> and if anybody's watched Ghost in the Shell, uh, you know the 1996 classic, and went back and read the manga, you would be in for a brutal whiplash because the original manga is almost like the you know for coma. Uh, yeah parody version of ghost in the shell despite it being the original text and it's interesting because like shiro masamune has tons and tons and tons of great ideas and nearly every concept and like scenario and character that he comes up with is adapted in one of the many many ghost in the shell properties that come out later but all of them have the but like the original has this like thick layer of just weird humor and misogyny and uh just like sort of like goofy hijinks that throws the tone off so completely and it's interesting how straight-laced and how philosophical uh the 1996 adaptation is considering like what it was what it was based on from the manga from only a couple of years earlier mm-hmm. It's just as as Ben saying, like what was what people latched on as what was great about that work obviously is not what the the author was enjoyed doing in his mm-hmm. actual production of the work, and just in terms of like radical tra- transformative adaptations, like one thing which has to happen in any adaptation is what's cut out because books are, are just a longer form than an anime is and i mean that's 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 that, that's the of that's an obvious thing where you, things are changed and then there's just where 
just cadence changes where uh, where you are shaping a work by what you're you're omitting um where like like one of the first anime i ever watched was akira which is i think about about just over uh, it's about hour and 40 i think i just off the top of my head um and that's a i think eight or nine volume manga uh, which is incredibly broad ranging and yet if i think like that single film condenses what the the whole rambling narrative of the manga uh, tries th- tries to convey into this single um moment and i think is almost more powerful for it and that's kind of like i don't know the ascension of the author the author is uh-huh. uh, the someone taking the author and and stripping away all their their noodling and their their sort of jamming for, for while they figure out what they're doing and just taking the finished message and giving it in concise form because i think that's that's one of the interesting differences between manga and a lot of um the the forms we think about is that because manga is produced so short a gap between production and publication i mean what what would you say it is on average andy about a couple of weeks two weeks what for the in terms of what from from creation to publication of manga yeah Oh yeah, I mean, it, days sometimes. Like you've seen, you've all watched, you've all watched like Bakuman or yeah. Kikushigoto. Like yeah, like you I'm know. Trying, I'm trying to forget I watched Bakuman. Uh, stop, you, bringing, stop bringing it up. You, you oh know, wait, wait. You mean you mean Otters Eleven? I love Otters Eleven. Yeah, Otters Eleven or uh, even Denki Guy. Like you know that uh, people will, it, which is more of a doujinshi, doujinshi circle, but still the same thing. Like you know, it can like print, they have a deadline for the printers, which is literally like days before the event. Uh, and yeah, so especially with like Shonen Jump and that kind of stuff, the whole idea of it being in crappy paper that you can just chuck away, like, yeah, mm. it's not that short a turnaround at all. Yeah. And, yeah. and like, I think a lot of what makes manga in- interesting is like some of the long form series that are authors working their way through their ideas, asking questions back and forth of it. And so when something gets adapted, there's this a sense that maybe it becomes more authoritative because they've stripped out all their thought process and just condensed it down to their final decision, which is, 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 I don't know whether people feel like, like that, that's. Yeah. That's... It feels, it feels like, I mean, it, it can be to their advantage and disadvantage because the thing that an anime, an anime is always going to have a construct of 12 episodes. and it's going to either sink yeah, or swim true. based on the 12 episodes. Whilst the manga's, you know, it's a cheap art form and it's got, relatively little overhead it's like one guy writing it and so they the anime has to cut off a lot of threads but then mm-hmm. the manga can be like hey you know that that thread that i just mentioned like five episodes back i can introduce that again and and work it into the different story kind of similar to what i was saying last week as well with uh, uh the kakashi gaiden arc that was never translated into an anime as far as i'm aware like yeah, that and was it was a... rumored for it was rumored for years. Like every, mm-hmm. I remember when I was really into Naruto. Like everyone's like, "Oh, 
there's a special being announced. This must be. It yeah. must be. Must be yeah. Kakashi. And it's like yeah, you, it's, it's ins- a beloved. It's a beloved scene, like a like sequence of yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like five chapters, and it's absolutely incredible. And it's just like the condensed greatness of Naruto in like five episodes, five chapters. And I don't know why it was never translated. It's absolutely insane. Uh, it's the gap between Naruto and Shippuden. It could have mm-hmm. like merged, and it's important as well. Like otherwise, you just don't understand who the fuck the other who Toby is in like the end scene. It's insane that they never translated it. <laughs> it does it does my head in. <laughs> but uh, but then I I don't know. I kind of dropped off the anime side of Naruto, so I never know whether it got adapted. I don't think as, it did. as one does, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, that is we'll have to return. I'll stick a pin in that later. But like. Trying to add adapt like never ending shonen series to, mm. to anime is is I think something that really challenges authorial intent because you have to start throwing out filler and yeah. filler is is the, the death supreme now. death of the author it's it's <laughs> it's death of the fake author I guess <laughs> yeah it's, but, it's um, literally insert fan fiction like it, yeah it's it's nothing more than that um, that can't change anything that almost always no. can't change anything. I mean, they, because so, then it goes, it does go against the author's intent yeah. on a lot of stuff. It, it's strange. And Naruto is a perfect example for that as well. Because they've got, what, like 100 episodes of Naruto before they jump into Shippuden, which is all which, which I all Which I watched all of them. And so did I, I, I mate. That, I would say that three are good. The, the male ninjas. And I think that's also the one where, like, Naruto has to like power a boat using Rasengan. He's in a boat and they're like oh, getting yeah. caught up with it. And so he's like, Rasengan, he's putting it in the water as a motorboat. <laughs> And, was... and then and then Jiraiya's like, this seems to be cheapening this move. And I was like, wow, <laughs> meta commentary from Naruto. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was like one relatively interesting arc as well, where they um, where they like try and find a bug. But then do you remember that yeah. and they sort of have some emotional sort of like togetherness as like why they even care that much about Sasuke to begin with. And that was interesting. But then it got undermined by one of them farting on it. And then they just keep going to that person's ass. And you're like, wow, that was a waste of like four episodes. That's a month of someone time. I, I, had, I had buried that. And my boyfriend's back style, it thrust its hand out of the soil. and <laughs> has grasped my mind again. God, those episodes were so bad. And don't forget, um, the, don't forget the ramen episode where they made ramen. That yeah, was, I like that one. Yeah, it's fine and dumb, but it's like... It's like actually why? my favorite, <laughs> my favorite filler. We'll, we'll go back to. I can see everyone else is just cringing in embarrassment. But uh, but uh, there's a bleach episode where they have a, a chef, a ghost chef, who's mad that he never got to finish his cake, um, <laughs> and so they have to bake a cake for him before he turns into a hollow. But again, like <laughs> talking about, and, and, and none of them can cook because they're all teenagers. So they're just like, oh, they're fucking up his cake. And this guy's like, he's got like the plug in his chest, is like pulling out the hole. He's like, no, you're fucking up my cake. And they're we're trying. To, uh, but that's also I miss like, bleach. I honestly miss, miss old bleach before it yeah, like so, went completely to shit. But like, also, like bleach is a sorry, Doug. Like bleach is another interesting like author's intent thing because there's a gap between the first arc and the second arc where they have this whole garbage shit i honestly can't remember what it was but i just remember that there was like these weird uh stuffed animals that then became a spirit guide or, or something yeah and they, well they that was that's where they put their they the replacement soul they put inside these stuffed animals yeah. who would have adventures while they were like not being their replacement soul for their body when they yeah when they I, translocated i fucking hated them and then they're, and then they're they fucking just, great you're wrong sorry there was no there was one that was a Right, we're getting thick into the weeds now. We're going to have to yes. say There's one that's a lion, and that was that's quote unquote yeah, canon. Con. Yeah, con. con. And then yeah. there was like 
was it like a rabbit and a turtle? I think mm-hmm. that were like mm-hmm. not, they were pure filler, but then they stayed throughout the rest of the anime. Like they were still in it, yeah. which is insane. Like that is pure. Like the author had no intent, no direction, no input in these stupid side characters, but then they stayed. If they, if you just purely watched the anime, they just stayed, which but, is insane. But to be to fair, me. like Tita Kubo, like doesn't, is probably one of the best examples where like you shouldn't listen to the author because he openly admits that he like gets bored of writing manga oh, yeah. after like a few dozen episodes, which begs the question, which uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's that's the incorrect to use, which raises the question of why he keeps writing like massive, super long shows. <laughs> yeah. if, if he knows that like I after think, like I mean, after 20 <laughs> volumes, I'm going to get bored. So I think he uh, doesn't. I think he just, you know, Bleach is a, is a massive fucking hit and it looks cool. And, you know, they're like, keep lighting this, mate. Keep lighting this. And he's like, but he did, he did that with uh-huh. zombie powder. Zombie powder was a huge hit. And he just stopped. He's just like, I'm not yeah. going to write this anymore. And sorry. Zombie powder is quite fun. Like it is exactly that. It's just, it's just fun and stupid. And it lasts what, like three volumes, I think. Yeah, um, but yeah. What, what so you guys are Duncan. talking about seems very much to be the where what Je- what Jeff's talking about in terms of like the demands of uh, uh, society to just make more, more, make more and more, and the tendencies of manga authors to just n- noodle and jam on their ideas meet in a happy union of uh, filler episodes. It's like, I, 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 I don't know what to draw. Don't worry, we can sell that. It seems yeah, to think, be the... I think, like, yeah, like the, the very idea of the death of the author is in itself, I think, just very idealistic and utopian and, like... Arguably, maybe not even entirely seriously meant originally mm-hmm. in the first place. That if you know it, it, it applies very well to a book that you can pick up off the shelf mm-hmm. and it's everything there, as opposed to something like a manga or like an anime where it is intended to go for as long as possible, as you know, if, to be you know commercially successful. And the idea of the death of the author just completely removes all of that. And mm-hmm. you could you could go out and like you could find you know mangas that have an ending and are good and you know the author has never spoken about it in public or at least not in a, in a place where you have encountered it and you can appreciate mm-hmm. this like you know this self contained work and be like wow this is this is great this speaks to me like for me you know despite you know I, like I'm gonna I'm gonna do it I'm gonna say it I'm gonna say Monogatari for me is this like <laughs> drink. Yep, <laughs> is this like you know? Is this 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 work that like you know Nisio Eason is notoriously you know tight lipped about, uh, you know, or at least like you know I I haven't really come across him going at length as to like this is my intent or anything like that. Like the most like the closest you can come to that is like the VAs talking about their relationship to the to the series. And I was going to bring that up if you didn't when they when they interview them and they're like what do you what do you think of the books and they're like oh I haven't read them or oh they're a fun they're a fun adventure romp mm-hmm. and me I'm like what fun fun adventure romp no they're, <laughs> they're complex meditations on language and and and, and, and you know that it's great that that's there and then you can also like you know if you want to look sideways at you know it's like why are all these you know little girl ghosts and monsters and tweens and everything else in here and like you know i just i don't i'm not gonna think about that i'm just gonna say like oh it's 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 there to be challenging and it's part of the overall work and it adds friction to it that it becomes enjoyable and makes your brain tingle and that's all i'm gonna say about that (laughs) you don't have to do anything else think we are kind of shielded from some of the um i can put it the more un 
unpleasant dissonances that uh, we experience with Western authors and their works with uh, uh, not really having as much of an idea what goes on in Japanese social media and uh, the their authors unless you unless you read the the sort of media pages of something like anime news network you're never gonna uh, find out that your favorite mangaka is a a raging homophobe or that they've been arrested for some <laughs> horrible thing and yeah i mean i mean i think absolutely we are insulated from a lot of that stuff like i mean unless something really really wild happens like the mangaka comes out and says hey the the titans are actually the jews and it's like what 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 and that and like it's impossible for that not to recontextualize attack on titan because it's like you know you that's one of the that's one of the the things out there that you can you cannot like say maybe Hitler had a point by having <laughs> by having like the monsters in your show annihilating the earth like be stand-ins for you know a group of people who were you know very intentionally and you know attempted genocide in the last hundred years it's like it's 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 a very wild thing to put into your show and like you know you could say like, you know, death of the author, you know, there's no, uh, there's no ethical consumption under, under capitalism, but like, there are some mm. things that like you, it, it would take more work than it is worthwhile to, ex- you know, excise that from the show where there's a, you know, fun web slinging and monster killing. Yeah. It's... I mean, did he actually say that? Or was that just something that I think happened, made people made assumptions with because of the context of the work? I, I I mean maybe I'm maybe I'm throwing this guy into the bus, but I'm pretty like what, at, at the time it was seemed pretty explicit that this is my like like that you know this is a direct parallel that I am making in this work. I'm pretty I, I, I we can uh, this will be yeah. in the show notes for sure, and we could we'll make a. I mean, a, yeah. it's already it's already been in the show notes. You can just you can just search for Attack on Titan in, <laughs> yeah. in our show notes. It's it it is a, there are enough statements that combined with specific things it makes it a fairly easy conjecture and we know that japan already had like if you can look at like how like angel cop and those kind of anime like there was a bad a bad run of like super institutionalized anti-semitism in japan where they were the where international the international jury was to blame for for the the bubble popping in the 90s um thankfully that mostly got stamped down but it survived in the right wing and Mm. it's still kind of like vaguely like rothschild stuff that i'm sure trickles down to all of us because we live in a hell world especially in (laughs) the year of our lord 2021 2021 we're all stuck inside on the internet i mean but also i uh, think that Sorry, I okay, yeah. I mean, I mean, honestly, I do, I do believe in death of the author, even for problematic works. I just think that you need to be aware and not be using death of the author as an excuse not to engage with those author criticisms. Mm-hmm. You can, as long as you open with yes, that author is a piece of shit. But also, if you interpret the work this way, you can find enjoyment that's not like weirdly compromised. I don't know. I mean, yeah. there's a lot it- of. Uh, isn't it not just a case that everyone's human and everyone has problems and hang-ups and it's the case of whether you can... More, more so than others, I think, is the important, <laughs> is the important <laughs> distinction there. Yeah, and then there's also the, the, the issue that, you know, we enjoy all of these things under capitalism. You know, take another drink, mm. I guess. And... <laughs> 
And like, well, and like if, who, if some of us maybe use pirating, then we don't just, just theoretically <laughs> that maybe we are we are actually like stop, you know, can't stop the signal. That's mm. sort of <laughs> but yes. Sorry, Jeff. I didn't mean to interrupt your joke for my joke. But that's oh, yeah. law but, of the jungle. <laughs> I, I do think we are protected somewhat from that sort of hate stuff. Mm-hmm. Duncan, to answer your you, question. You have to seek it out. Yeah. 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 Like it's occasionally I, I, you know. And this is also the problem with like the information age that we're living in. Like data just comes in and out like so quickly. Like I, there was a whole stuff where um, the author for oh, what was that big titted anime that you kind of didn't like with the fang, um, the Sugoi Dekai. Girl. Oh yeah, oh, Uzaki yeah. Chan. Uzaki Chan. Yeah. He he was he's like revealed quote, to be a shithead. Yeah, he's <laughs> like quoting some QAnon stuff, and like that only yeah. that only came about like quite recently. But then like. Again, that just came and went. Like everyone kind of forgets about that, and and you can still watch Zaki Chan, still enjoy it um, somehow. Uh, and... Maybe, maybe <laughs> a little, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, and I don't know. I I just always assume that you got to people are problematic. Yeah. A, and yeah. If you could divorce yourself from no, that I mean person. my my favorite. My favorite movie, one of my favorite movies is Chinatown, and it's written by a criminal who should be in jail. Yeah. So (laughs) it's written and directed and by a criminal who should be in jail, and only he could have made it. And it's a great movie. And also... And he's in it, even. Yeah, and he's in it. You have to look (laughs) at his face. I don't know. It's it's very weird. It's hard to consume media because oftentimes being a fan of media, even if you don't intend it this way, translates into being an advocate of the author who did it, which means that we get these, these messy, gross things. And I think that it often enables parasociality, like the whole meme of like, Anno hates you. Anno <laughs> wants you to suffer because of Evangelion. That's what that popped up again with the whole report that, uh, we put this in the show notes that like that the, the fourth rebuild of Evangelion movie is going to be like at two hours and 40 minutes and people are like, yeah, Anno hates you. He wants to, he wants to make you stuck in a theater for three hours. That asshole. It's like, I don't think that's it. But also, even if it is like, you don't have to watch it. You don't have to watch it. But but there's also, you know, the weird like discourse these days. Like Martin Scorsese is on the chopping block because he said a bad thing about superhero movies. And now it's like, oh, look at this guy, old white man who made nothing but gangster movies and about how crime is good actually doesn't like these, the modern mythology. And he's completely undermined the thing that... Like, like all the, all these bros love this guy, and it just it just shows that you know, and it's just like it's just a it's it's a very tiresome way of talking about media that, like you were saying, is almost entirely born of this like weird parasocial relationship, and the fact that like a lot of people they they form online relationships through these works, and so if their work is now that work is undermined it becomes an attack on their community and an attack on their support network. And it, you, so it it necessitates this like circling of the wagons that, you know, if it was just a book on the shelf, you wouldn't have to worry about, you know, (laughs) but if it's like, you know, the the people I talk to 90% of the day, you know, I only do that because I happen to like Marvel movies, you know, this high prestige, director saying the Marvel Marvel movies are shit actually becomes an attack on you. And so you have to defend yourself and you have to defend your, the, the way you're spending your time, because especially now in pandemic and everything else, like your time online is largely your, your social interaction. And somebody's mm. telling you that it sucks actually, then the, what, what are you doing with your life? You have to confront something you don't want to confront. 
we oh, talked we've talked about previously about the idea of auteurs within uh, anime and how it's not necessarily as applicable for this particular medium as it, as it is for some just because of the collaborative nature of it um and and because i think uh anime the majority of anime we consume is tv rather than than movies and I think one of the things we we covered with that talk was that um, TV broadcast stuff it tends to be even more diluted of authorial intent because you have um, different sh- different people working on different episodes because of the production line. You'll have a, a different director for like four or five different episodes and and the real fans will know who directed each episode and they'll 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 have they'll they'll watch their fa- favorite episodes so they can see exactly how their their favorite director was was shaping the story and i think like that 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 th- whole thing takes any authorial intent and just slices it up even more because it's as, mm. as, as as i put it earlier it's it's, it's a copy of a, a copy of a copy and through multiple different lenses and we've because certain parts of the production are done at different like some some anime you'll get the va work done before stuff's animated sometimes you'll get the va done after it's animated like those those that choice of how they're reacting is transformative and yet that's a piece of information we'll never know are are the how much are, are the voice actors just working from words and how much are they working from images and how that changes the way they they make their performance and how we experience that performance like there's all mm. these little bits of the the intricacies of production which change the way we can interpret things and I think it's just because we never because once again a any individual character is two performances it's an animator's performance and it's a VA's performance it's not it's not like we we like we'll, we'll talk about we have our favorite VAs but we we often don't know the words they're saying we, we we're mm. just purely going on a combination of tone and the visual cues someone's feeding us an entirely different person is feeding us I like that's that's such a strange thing. Yeah, me, but the anyway. direction is usually the most important part for the VAs, isn't it? Like, and you can tell in like just the way that they speak and some of their tones and some of the characters they portray, like they get typecast. Like you know, you get you if you've done a good child's voice likenesses, you're probably the child in the next big thing or the next thing that you're going to be uh, type you're going to be playing in. Um, the other thing I was going to quickly mention was uh, Clamp. I don't know if you, you guys all know Clamp, mm-hmm. the manga. Mm-hmm. But that is a that is a, a series of authors that isn't one. At its height, mm-hmm. was 11 people. Um, so that, I mean, how does that even fit in with uh, with the death of the author when it's multiple authors? <laughs> I mean, it, it just means that, like, it means even more so that their statements aren't authoritative and that, like, you shouldn't, <laughs> you should negotiate your own relationship with the text uh i yeah. think is is the upshot 
Uh, well, to wrap this up, do we want to talk about any specific examples where the reasons that you enjoy an anime or manga are different from either what you know or what you think is the intended authorial way to enjoy a anime or a manga? Problem is, I never know what the intended authorial way to enjoy a thing is now. I'm just like, I watch a thing and then people are like, no, nah, you're wrong. They're like, okay, <laughs> fine. Just not going to listen to you. <laughs> I mean, I think for me, a lot of it is just like truncating works. And I mean, we've talked before about like the three ways that you end an anime that has an ongoing manga. It's either it's either anime original ending, the adventure continues or just have it have it just like stop at a cliff and then hope that you get a second season. Mm. And like, I think that a lot of my a lot of my favorite anime actually have their own endings like i like i've been on record before i like the original full metal alchemist ending i like that they are in a parallel spoilers for a 2003 anime i guess I dare you ben yes i'm sorry and not even the one that people like anymore people like brotherhood so much more but like yeah. i like that there is a parallel world our world where world war 1 and 2 are causing so much death and that spiritual energy from the biggest bloodlettings in human history are powering are powering the alchemy on the other side as opposed to like the nebulous God thing that, that brotherhood goes for. I think that uh, like flowers of evil stopping short. Uh, I think that uh, princess wow. jellyfish stopping short. I think the wallflower stopping short. I think that Trigon having its stuff reworked and not being as huge and sprawling as Trigon maximum. The manga is, I think those are all like good examples. And I think that anime also that have like budget crashes. This is especially the case with Gainax with Evangelion mm -hmm. and Kare Kano is that like you can find different sources of humor from the original author, authorial intent from just like all of the shortcuts and the artistic ways that they choose to save money and save animation. Yeah. I, I liked the ending of princess jellyfish for sure, but I actually really like where the manga went after the anime ended. I really love, yeah, I, 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 I love the fashion scene stuff. Oh, that was fascinating. Like, as a yeah, person I, mean, I mean, I like I like that it turns into a different manga basically when yeah. I'm a fashion designer, <laughs> uh, which I adored. Like, I love that. I wish, I, I mean, I don't think the manga had written there, but I wish they'd done a second season because that would have been a fascinating thing to have adapted. Which is something that I feel is pretty rare for manga. Yeah. Well, one of my f uh, favorite shows is Planetes, um, and having. As 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 a true fan, bought the uh, manga afterwards and uh, read through it. It was interesting yep, to just see. Just like we said, <laughs> it was interesting to see the um, the author uh, sort of engaging with seeing seeing their works on on screen and uh, sort of. I'm I, I'm not sure if four comas like um, they had have like things at the end of each chapter, which are essentially a couple of four comas, like. Just four panel, um, mm -hmm. uh, like author talking to the characters and talking to their audience, and like to see them engaging in with the the fact that that their stuff is being adapted, and to, for them to go, oh yeah, um, uh, acknowledging the fact, oh this character Claire hasn't hasn't featured at all, and she was entirely created for for the um, anime because they wanted some romantic tension, but she she actually ended up 
at being a character the author really liked and wanted to <laughs> to try and work in but couldn't figure out a good way to do so and like this thing got like oh that's a really good idea i wish i'd had that <laughs> it was just kind of charming to see um it, it, especially compared to i think a lot of authors kind of have like weirdly resentful or adversarial relationships with their adaptation i think that what's depicted in like shirabako with the like third girl's aerial wing where the where the manga author is like surrounded by people all of whom don't don't really like or don't really know what's going on with the anime adaptation so yeah i don't know i, I think that it's good that i've, I've heard about the planetase director also i mean the planetase mangaka saying that they really enjoyed like some of the changes that happened probably yeah. not the space ninjas it'd be inter- arc, interesting but... to, to hear what they thought of uh vinland saga after yeah because <laughs> it like because what i wonder like that that's something which i'm genuinely intrigued like both you and i saw like the things we found abs- like great about the adaptation and the things we found like lacking in it did they still enjoy that? Was that like, did they go, oh yeah, I loved how how Thorfinn did a Naruto run. It was a, a wonderful thing. <laughs> and like, maybe the author is a bit of, a, author is trash and we should just forget them and just move on with a, a, a more refined world without them. Yeah. Closing comments, anybody? Long live the author. <laughs> I like I prefer them half dead where I can call yeah. them up if I want, if I want their opinion, but otherwise they don't, they don't get in my I business. Mean, I mean, that's kind of why I like also- a, Gankutsuo, I've I've praised Gankutsuo before because it like has a very dead author and they they heavily rework the structure, even more so than say Haruhi yeah. Suzumiya reworks the structure of the source material. And it it's <laughs> an improved for it. I like I like Gankutsuo better than I like the Count of Monte Cristo. Um and it's not just because of like gold Rococo space bullshit. I mean it's partly which, <laughs> because of gold Rococo. I mean it's it's impossible to ignore, is is yeah. the actual answer there. So it's also worth mentioning another thing that we don't get in manga and uh, even the collected anime manga that comes over here is that we do get like um, some small in- insights into the author every week on the Takabons because they do have like a little section at the end which shows, used to be their faces, now it's usually just a drawn image um, and then a little sort of a paragraph of how they're feeling this week or whatever, which we are missing. Right? And sometimes... Yeah. They can Sometimes be quite inflammatory. Like they have like hidden comments about how they really hate the anime adaption or something else. Like, uh, so we do, we are missing some stuff from there, but that's a sure. by point. I think. I mean, so, I mean, but it's interesting to ask just as maybe a last question, like what do those add to the experience of the manga? I mean, it seems like mostly they exist to make you see the mangaka as a, as a real person, which I think is a worthy goal on the one hand, but also I think it does like at least with Koji Kumita, the the, man, the manga I've read most extensively, of course, is the is the Sinus Etsu Sensei manga. Although I've also read the uh, Evangelion manga, um, which took forever to finish, um, <laughs> and Yoshiyuki Sadamoto is a much more much more taciturn person. But uh, in Koji Kumita's paper blogs, as he calls them, he just like whines about nonsense. He like talks about how like about how like he forgot to take out his trash and now his whole house smells and he feels like it would be easier to to move houses than to than to <laughs> yeah. take out the trash at this point yeah. and like i don't know it's it's interesting that like that that as you said andy that that manga has that built in as like here's a glimpse of the of the author as a person they've just finished doing butt and fart jokes but yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I i think if anything it just adds you it makes that it makes that mangaka personal and then also it makes you enjoy their works more because you enjoy him as a person more and i think that's sort of similar with anybody trying to 
glimpse onto some sort of fame. You like the person, you like the works, you want to continue supporting what they're doing. The final thing I'd say to that is that uh, Western comics have a very different tradition if that their letter pages have traditionally been a back and forth between the audience and the creator. And mm-hmm. I don't get the sense that, that there's that same back and forth between the audience and creator uh, with manga, though, though Andy may be able to tell me different because I'm, I'm not... Uh, as I say, I'm, I'm <clears> really... I get things in essentially in trade paperbacks, so I, I have a lot of the stuff which you're talking about now cut out. It, it happens occasionally. I think um, good example, uh, Toriko. Um, even though I think that guy is a piece of shit now, but regardless, uh, Toriko. <laughs> uh, Toriko people would constantly send in um, designs for animals, and he would then put them into the man to his manga, which is really cool, as well as credit them their age. It was well, actually a really nice. sweet thing that I felt really made that show yeah. go a lot further than it needed to. Uh, the other thing is uh, Oda with One Piece, he would have uh, SNS consp- correspondence between... Oh, that's um, that's yeah, cool. in the in the in the printed volumes, he would have SNS correspondences where he would answer people's emails and letters and he would encourage people to get send them in. Obviously, like, they were translated Japanese. I don't think he ever got... Maybe he did later on, like, English ones translated. But yeah, that's... They're usually not very important or very like they don't really add anything. It's just like he always he uses it mostly as a sort of like radio talk show sort of like stupid answers like how far does Luffy does like Luffy's arm stretch? If, yeah, and he's like oh about a thousand gumu gumus. It's like how long's it a gumu gumu? And it's like you know it's just it's like nonsense answers to a nonsense question. <laughs> but that sort of doesn't really enrich I think it. You, you... You hit on something there, Andy, in that I think a lot of the th- things which now appear in message boards na- used to appear in the letters page where uh, those silly questions like, how far can Luffy stretch his, his arms? People s- seeking canon answers to the most minute questions. And I think he, Oda is really good at just being the most ridiculous with that sort of canon stuff and not letting it bog down his work too much. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's just me having a bit too of an evangelical view in one piece. <laughs> <laughs> really, you don't say. <laughs> okay, well, on that note, let's go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh, if you have any thoughts based on what we've talked about, you can email us. But for now, we're going to take a break and then come back to talk about Pom Poco and Thus Spoke Kishibe Ronin. Rohan, fuck. back as promised we will start with Pompoko the 1994 Studio Ghibli film written and directed by Isao Takahata. Uh, I watched this on a whim as you probably could tell from the last uh, episode um, kind of just going randomly through the Ghibli catalog and watching things I haven't watched yet. Haven't watched My Neighbor the Yamadas, haven't watched Ocean Waves, but I finally watched Pompoko which I've been avoiding for literal decades because all I've seen before is they're like massive transforming scrotums. Uh, which is part of part of Japanese folklore. It's not something that Takahata made up himself. I think that's a lot of people's opinions, though, right? Like a lot of people. Yeah. I know I've definitely been avoiding it, and I try to think as to why, and I'm like, I'm not actually quite sure. I mean, I'm also just not into anthropomorphic animals, which might seem surprising since I host an anime podcast. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you're not yet. Since I've spoken in favor of Show by Rock <laughs> repeatedly, uh, but no, I found this really charming. I. 
uh, it's a story about um, it starts in the late 1960s when giant suburban development starts in the Tama Hills outside of Tokyo and Yokohama. And the move, most of the movie takes place in the early 90s, basically when the movie itself was released about a community of Tanuki trying to push back the development and save their homeland, which is, you know, cramming them together, causing them to risk starvation and have to like break up these family units. And I was expecting to mildly enjoy it because I know that Takahata is, was an artist, I guess. Um, But I was really surprised at how it had this really interesting, like there was an article in uh, scientific American about why people hated the later seasons of game of Thrones. And the author argues uh, that it's a transition from sociological storytelling about how communities respond to changes and pressure to psychological storytelling, how individuals respond to changes and pressure. And I think that Pompoko presents us with a very vividly realized community full of diverse and often clashing voices and just shows them over the course of like a generation try and spoilers ultimately fail to respond to this like existential threat to what has been depicted and even even I mean it's still depicted as kind of like a an ancient tradition bound community and yeah I was really surprised at how much I enjoyed it it's it's a bit long it's a bit it's a bit like weird and goes a lot of places um but in terms of just having like a bunch of really charming idiot tanuki who are all trying to like stop stop ecological disaster from happening it's i really enjoyed it duncan you also watched it yeah. uh, probably because i compared it to eccentric family i mean um, but I, 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 comparison i would say you compared it yourself to eccentric family <laughs> i mean i i would not compare it strongly to in fact i'd say it's actually kind of different in that as as you have 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 outlined there that it's very much more concerned with a larger social group rather than like eccentric family as we've gone over many a time is concerned with family and and very strongly mm-hmm. so whereas pompoco is concerned with the idea of a community and i i very mm-hmm. strongly interested in the ideas of both how that is shaped by place, how that is shaped by um, habit, how that is shaped by um, ev- fad, I would say, even fads yeah. or like memes, even. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. a bit yeah. early for that, but. Um, the, 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 the Tanuki definitely do get gripped by uh, sort of fevers for different things, for new things or for old things, and how uh, the way how an idea can bubble up to prominence and, and disappear uh, in just a moment. Like they're mm. they're very much depicted as us, but more so, which is something which anthropomorphic. Uh, things can occasionally um do um i think it it generally is kind of an interesting counterpoint in like i think it was similar era to nausicaa right in terms of um when no it's a decade it's a decade later than nausicaa wow it doesn't feel like i think 84 versus 94 literally yeah Yeah. i think i think i always think of nausicaa as later 
uh, than uh, it actually was because I remember seeing clips of it on late night TV of, of people talking about well this this director who made this astonishingly um, vivid vi- visual world and not actually seeing it until like late 90s and so I always assumed it was like mid 90s early 90s but 84 god damn wow well, well it's because it first made it it's first made it just kind of harken back to our death of the author thing it first made its way overseas as warriors of the wind the like Weinstein butchered recut to make the main boy character in Nausicaa become become the main character at all which involves cutting out a lot of Nausicaa um <laughs> But it's a very impressive attempt to like butcher a movie into having a completely different story. And in fact, is actually kind of valued for that now. But uh, no, I, I think the interesting thing for me, I feel like both Eccentric Family and Pompoko have a fairly distinct shared vision of what Tanuki society looked like, looks like. Yeah, that's true. Part of that is folkloric. Part of that actually, I think, is from what I can tell, is kind of like nailed down by Pompoko, like establishing Tanuki as these like highly social, highly tricky animals that are just like too, too dumb and fun loving to ever pose a threat to human beings. Um, and well, I think that it, <laughs> that's, that's one of the things well, this, you know, this one's well, a, a bit different on. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's true. But I, I think that like Tanuki can never pose a sustained threat to people. And I think ultimately like one of the tragedies in Pompoko is that like their values are food and play as opposed to human values of power and progress. Mm. And I think it's just like, it, it ultimately makes the argument that like some values are less resistant to change than others. Um, or at least they're resistant to change in different ways. But I do think that Pompoko is looking at this community versus uh eccentric family, which is looking at a family that is in the process of fragmenting, even disintegrating. And so I think that, it's, uh, Pompoko ends with them meeting up on a golf course and having like doing one of their old like gatherings and parties. And it's the message is kind of like, yes, they've been defeated. But I mean, culture is still alive as long as the people who participate in it are still mm-hmm. alive. And I think a centric family has a much more existential worry to it that if this family breaks apart, if it never pulls itself back together again, that that could mean annihilation, not necessarily annihilation of the people who are part of the family, but of the identity that the family represents. And so I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed it as kind of two sides of the same coin that like, it's the next installment in this like long decline of Tanuki culture as kind of like having been colonized and annihilated by, by human society uh, where, you know, you join, you, you turn into a human, you live as a human full time. You don't get to like eat and have fun and fuck a lot like Tanuki love to do. (laughs) Um, I mean, I love that as a, as a sign of what Tanuki society is, there's a specific moment where like the rabble rouser character, I forget his name. I think it might be Gonta. Yeah. Gonta. Is it Gonta? Yeah. That's him. Um, where he comes in and he's trying to do a coup and then, and he's like, we need to get rid of the humans and get rid of them completely. And they're like, oh, but if the humans go, we won't get to have tempura anymore. I love like tempura, tempura mice. And everyone's like, oh yeah, tempura mice. And the coup like <laughs> gets derailed because everyone's just getting so into like how delicious human food is. Mm. And and then finally Gunther's like, stop, stop everybody, stop. I want tempura mouse right now. <laughs> just like, and it's, and it like, and this like coup, which in a different environment of storytelling would be this like scary thing. It's just a sign of like the Tanuki just, they aren't built for what they're trying to do. They aren't built to fight humans. They're built to like, just have fun all the time. And I think that tra- that translates to the Emoshi Roy yeah. 
uh, theme of, of a centric family where that becomes the value. It's just like, we're not like humans because we know how to have fun, unlike humans. And I think it was a really nice, I don't know, I was really surprised as a movie that I did not expect to like that much. I mean, and then found it incredibly charming. Yeah, I mean, there's but. definitely so- something what you're saying about that in that definitely the, the most miserable character in eccentric family is is by a long way Benton, who is like actually dealing with all these uh, things she has done and Yasubo, who is the person she, whose family she has killed and consumed her at his, his dad. He's far less, he's, he's far less concerned about that than she is. She is. And like that, that sort of weird live and let live of attitude of Tanuki means like they, they are ultimately, unable to sustain this um this fad of violence they develop towards humans like right that they kill humans which is something i wasn't expecting like from like uh, as you say like from everything you see of pompoko beforehand it's oh dumb tanuki transforming hijinks and then then you get this like 10 15 minutes of okay uh we we've tried to scare them off we tried to to pull tricks on them that none of them's that's worked now we're going to steal heavy equipment and kill them with it (laughs) like uh what (laughs) right and and they eventually it's it's very interesting that when they try to do their like big illusion and try to scare the human humans off and it doesn't work because the the guy building an amusement park nearby claims that he was the one who did like the big scary illusion and so it completely deflates them but they split into these different like interest groups and they're and i think that they all both like decide to adopt one like weird ideal of humanity there's almost like kind of an abstract thing of like they're become like one of them becomes a death cult and some of them decide to assimilate and then there is like gonzo's group who decides to like just try to kill as many humans as they can and they eventually go up against they eventually go up against the riot police and they get wiped out they're done like that's it like they live by the sword die by the sword in a very sort of in a very sort of almost like spiritually impactful way and it's very interesting that it is like this watching this community get fractured and i think that is maybe the thing that's most appealing to me about between that and eccentric family besides the fact that they're both about tanuki um that they that they like they try to do it's these it's these societies in crisis and ultimately they fail at the end of at the end of these crises i mean eccentric family ends a place of equilibrium after the second season but it is just like everything's broken your society is broken your culture is dying what do you do and like the idea that fighting makes it die faster is something that i think both works struggle with and it's it's just not in the tanuki values to fight but some people feel very pushed to fight yeah because it's it's interesting because uh the the show opens up with a battle between the tanuki they've been pushed yeah. out of their different territories and you see them you see that there's different they have different like levels of um depiction for the tanuki yeah they have like one of the really charming the, parts <laughs> like they, they have the proper animalistic ones which are just extremely realistic yeah, animal but really animal tanuki and yet still very cute animal old tanuki yes. they're still they're still adorable because t- there's them red- but they look like raccoon dogs yeah. as opposed to like people. And then there's the <laughs> the second level up, which is kind of like the is the one they employ the most consistently, which is kind of like a it's a, it's a typical cartoonized uh, raccoon dog. And then there's yeah. the sort of third one, which is is when this shape they they sort of default to when they when they get spooked and they completely forget 
it's like yeah. shapes, right? Just like shapes. Yeah, just human, sh- <laughs> just person shapes. Like not not human, just something with arms and legs and a, and a head. Yeah. And like that's that was kind of like really strange. Like like it's when you first see it's a that. very strange movie in general. Yeah. But yes, <laughs> but. In this first battle, they, they ch- you see these wild animals charging together and like rushing through the grass, and they and they get as they get closer, they sort of all transform into these uh, uh, sort of samurai shapes, and and like as as one of them gets s- sort of more enthusiastic, he becomes bigger and he essentially levels up. He he goes from being in like a, gr- a grunt samurai's uniform into like a an, a high warlord's lord's full armor, and like this this way that. Tanuki are just wholly sort of both empowered by and limited by their their passion for something like there's something which I very much emphasize with in in their inability to pursue something they don't have passion for like that they they yeah. have to have passion for it like if if they don't it's got to be fun yeah. it's got to be fun to them <laughs> and and if if that isn't there they just become these nothing shapes these beings without a, a purpose and what what you describe is is them when they f- try what they're used to and it doesn't work they start looking to the humans and saying okay what works for them can we just imitate what they do and this i i've i watched um uh, uh pompo pompoko and um adam curtis's uh latest documentary <laughs> um can't get you out of my head in fairly swift succession and i think like there's there's a lot that tanuki would watch that and and go mm, yeah 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 I, I, and they would would nod along with this <laughs> idea that we we rec- we are constantly recreating ourselves and there is always this story we have told ourselves of the way the world has to be and mm-hmm. tanuki have told themselves for era that, that this is they have a dream of how the world was this pastoral um life which they could live next to nature and at the end like their last big trick the the last thing they do before they they give up entirely is to give a glimpse to the residents of this apartment complex which has been built over their old home a glimpse of what it was this like pastoral tanuki eden and just un- just unbelievably beautiful like ghibli's full arsenal on display of just like lush green nature like deep prime primordial jungle or forest yeah and they love doing the most right yes. love well, it's, it's, cause, cause it's fucking beautiful andy <laughs> like you're gonna you're gonna tell them to stop oh god no heavens no yeah <laughs> and they have this wonderful little little moment where like one of the the family who is living in this new new complex remembers this moment of how her family relates to this landscape and how I think it was her her grandma or something. And she sees a young version of her grandma that Tanuki have yeah. observed and runs out out because it's God that's my grandma. It's like it's her young as well and like just runs out to to talk to to communicate with this apparition in in a way that no one had had engaged with any of the tanuki's his mm. tricks before then and like i th- i think they're definitely trying to say something that is definitely trying to say something with the idea that this authentic communication of what the tanuki's valued 
got from got through to someone in a way that all their attempts to try and almost focus group their response to the humans by thinking what the humans wanted and responding to that the mm. one where they were authentic to what mattered to them and commu- communicated that with everything they had was the one which got through to someone and the tragedy was it only got through to a couple of people and it didn't make a difference and yet that is still shown as a as a beautiful moment and and a good thing, a fun thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it even is like the ending of the movie has like a, has, uh, was, what is his name? Sokichi, the main, yeah, like yeah. nominally, nominally the main guy. He like speaks to the camera while they're having a party on the golf course that was once their like forest home. And he's like, be nice to animals. We're, we're doing our best. And it's, it is like, it almost makes the movie itself one more illusion that the Tanuki are casting and trying to communicate to us. I think that like this idea that if one person sees this thing and is moved by it, um, then it's been a worthy endeavor. I do. I like, I usually, I usually don't really have an opinion about Ghibli's really overt environmentalism. I can like take it or leave it. Like it's good. I, I, I don't want the planet to die. I don't think I get a say as much of a say in that anymore as I thought I did when I was, 10 or 12 years old but uh um but just like this idea that like if one person if one person sees this and has a greater respect for nature from it um Mm -hmm. then that's good too and i think that it's reflected both in the text and in the meta text in a really in a really charming way Mm -hmm. um it makes their life seems beautiful and it sucks that we just that like humans destroyed it is is the upshot yeah i was gonna say like it sounds like also sort of like a trans generational thing where a lost communication between older generations and newer generations who are interested in different things. But the thing that really uh, actually attracted at least a small subsection of those people is that what they actually feel and believe. And if they'd actually mm-hmm. bothered to communicate that from the beginning, then it wouldn't have, maybe things would have worked better. Well, yeah, I think there is like, Duncan can attest. They, they like reach out to like the more primordial places of Japan and have, these three great sages come visit them to rescue them and they do fucking nothing. They don't do anything at all. One of them, one of them dies from overwork. One of them start like goes senile and starts a religious cult. And one's like, yeah, we should assimilate. We can't win this battle. We should assimilate. So like there is this idea of like reaching out for reaching out for elders, but also acknowledging that like these are unprecedented challenges that we face now. And we should look to the past to see what people have done. Um, But if they don't have answers, then we have other then like, we it's it's up to us to figure this out i don't know i i really enjoyed it i i I added it to my right stuff cart i'm just waiting for them to to have a sale (laughs) and then i will i will own this um because i don't know if i'm gonna have hbo max forever so (laughs) (laughs) well talking about stuff where people are constantly looking at the past uh i have interesting (laughs) i have watched the new uh jojo short series that was on netflix released on thursdays i know for everybody else thursdays a lot of British people is UK Drag Race season two, which is totally the best thing ever. Um, but this Thursday was an exception because thus spoke Kishihibi Rohan, uh, the OVA series came out on Netflix, and uh, what a little treat of four episodes that we got! Um, yeah, I really enjoyed them. So, if you are unaware, this is a spin off of the fourth season of JoJo Diamond is Unbreakable which revolves around the mangaka uh, Kishibi Rohan as he goes and does various adventures uh, or hears various stories 
um, in order to try and further better his own works. Uh, they usually, they seem to always revolve around him being at a coffee shop, speaking to either his uh, author or one of the authors of Jump, which is incredibly like, uh, <laughs> which, is, which is really funny. And yeah. Then, uh, On the nose. <laughs> like The thing that I always enjoy is at the end of the episode, as he's explaining one of the stories that happens like a tale, like a folk tale, uh, and eventually what happens at the end is one of the other people from Arc 4 comes in and sort of like inputs their theories and thoughts. And it's always quite funny, like, especially when I think one of the episodes they have two of the bad guys that just come up and just start talking to him and you're like, oh, okay, so you're not dead. Like, uh, I do think Part 4 is really underweight rated. I love Part 4 a lot and I think that um, it's got a lot of great stuff and part of it is because he doesn't really kill any of his characters. Like, a lot <laughs> of them just sort of stay hanging about. Um, and uh, we, call, we call it the My Little Pony, but yes, go on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this was My Little Pony for My Little Pony. So what you're getting is, is four episodes confusingly um, numbered because they're actually based off of the manga, which is uh, called also... Thus spoke Kishihibi Rohan, or if you want me to murder the Japanese. But uh, Kishibi Rohan wa Ugo Kanai. Real, real, real quick, I do want to say that Pompoko is, is the English name for that movie. Uh, the, the proper translation of the Japanese name is Heisei Era Raccoon Dog War Pompoko. So, <laughs> <laughs> which is exactly why I love Japanese. I like looking up the literal Japanese title of things because when they're always like, like, a, like Ghost in the Shell is actually God, what's it called actually the the like japanese it's just like armored police yeah unit it's like armored police like riot unit or something it's amazing i i love it drink it with a straw <laughs> this is a game that i i plan to do in the future is find the actual japanese for a lot of the shows that we love and adore because they're not they're not what's translated at all anyway um yeah. anyway it's, it's mobile armored riot police is is the name of ghost in the shell oh really that's insane <laughs> yeah um, which is so prosaic. I love it. I adore it. Anyway, go back, go back, Andy. But yeah, so it's all you. So what you got? What you got is um, four OVA episodes, which are insanely like got like you read the articles of where the episodes come from. One comes from some of the people who or who bought all thirteen volumes of the Part Four anime. They got this disc. How that got distributed, I have no I fucking idea. Like, you have to prove that you bought all 13 volumes. Anyway, uh, the second one came from the second volume being of, of the manga being released. Uh, and then the other two was a theatrical release that was released, that was shown in two, um, that was only shown in, like, a bunch of cinemas around Japan, which sounds mental, like, the way that they got distributed. Doesn't make yeah. any sense. So then Netflix just decided to buy them, Um and it's, it's it's also worth saying that the difference that the first one of these came out in 2017 and then they've been at the second 2018 and then the last two were 2019 and only now are they reaching <laughs> us as one whole, as this and little compilation. And then also the interesting thing is, I mean, this is... I'll be interested to know what ones you've... Because I know you've only watched two, Duncan. I'll be interested to know which two you... Uh, yeah, I've done the first two. What are the two. first two? Because... The release versions is Millionaire Village, Mitsukabe Hill, Out of Confessional, and then The Run. Whilst what I, I don't know what you got, because I got, this is really boring, but it's known that Netflix fucks over episodes a lot. 
Uh, so we've got uh, the confessional and Mitsu Kabe Zaka. So you watched so you watch episode sixteen and episode two. Yeah. of the four of the four episodes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's weird, and 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 then which it doesn't matter because they're completely separate stories, so they work in and of themselves individually. Um, and then yeah. uh, and then you got Millionaire Village and the Run, which are the last two. That interestingly, I I felt that. Like they're really great stories, but I felt that first two were kind of weak. Like, Out of Confessional was fun. It's set in Italy. It's it's all about like one. It was, it was a, a lot, lot of fun. fun. It was about one guy trying to throw popcorn in order to save his soul and catch it in his mouth. Uh, and then Mitsukabe Hill, which also was fun, which is about like a person killing someone and then it constantly dripping blood, and then they're gonna have to like, and then him her soul like trying not to let that. Um, ruin his her relationship and her perceived stuff, uh, perceived relationship, and then Millionaire Village is an one about a village that I think this was actually my favorite episode. Millionaire Village. It was an episode about a village where everyone becomes millionaires at the right age of twenty five, and if you go there, you have to you have to perform a set of like weird rules about etiquette uh, in order to be considered. Um, a tenant there and if you and then the last one was the run which was um like the most direct rohan like the the last two are good because they're the most directly involved with rohan um and the run is him having a competition with a guy in a gym uh who is like some super strong model guy and they're really fun they're really insane like funny dumb little stories that rohan has personally been involved with or personally met uh, and I would say, like, they're really good. They're really good introductions to JoJo. They're not really related to any of any of like the bigger JoJo lore, but they're definitely a way of like introducing Hirohiko mm. Arakai's sort of mindset and thought process behind writing and drawing manga and and developing and presenting a story. Um, and then also just kind of kind of been fun like little adventures. My only gripe, I would say, is that. As the episodes are completely contextless, I don't like the order that they're presented in on Netflix. I would have liked it if if At a Confessional was bookmarked between The Run and Millionaire Village because The Run has mm. an interesting has like a different opening where it's talking about Rohan and his special powers and then like the other ones have a very similar opening in that they sort of talk a bit at a, usually at a, a coffee shop and then going into a story. I I just like to 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 push back against that a little though, Andy, because I think like the what they've chosen for the first one, um, the, the confessional, is actually a very very appropriate one for his character because he. he uh, what he cares about more than anything else is a story that 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 interests him, and so for him to be so like I, I love like there's this one line line where he's t- he's talking to the audience and he's like I, I assure you audience I, I I when I walked into that confessional booth I did not realize I was walking into the priest's side and I like it and it's like honest honest uh, and because he has this this absolute desire to, for, for stories mm-hmm. to, to hear about these weird things and to know people's secrets and like for him to go into a confession booth and to be in the priest side, like that's, 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 yeah. that's so him that that is a, an absolute perfect introduction to his motivations. It, 
for me anyway like i know it may maybe doesn't and didn't overtly introduce it but for his like his obsession for secrets and for stories i think that that was a, that was a great great scene setter i agree no like i i think they're all great individually i just think that if you like it's four episodes it like the whole runtime if you skip the opening and endings is under an hour like you it's not i tried to fit (laughs) (laughs) okay i can assure you of that experience versus ideals i think (laughs) uh two hours then if you're being generous like the uh like it could be a short movie. It could be a movie. Like every, the whole yeah, thing could yeah. be a movie. And I just think that presenting it as a whole package, I think that the run, when you watch it, you'll you'll see what I mean. It it introduces Rohan as a character as well as his standability, which isn't also then brought in throughout the rest of the show because it's assumed that you know, being deep enough into JoJo lore to get to part four, and then also having to finish part four because if you're not interested in fucking stads by part four then why the mm. fuck are you here mm. <laughs> like um and also as a netflix show like netflix buying it means that like you need you can't just introduce it to yeah. people who don't know jojo which is the massive which is already as like talking about death of the author like as a as a thing jojo has existed and become its own meme and it's become its own thing independently and i just feel that like if they'd had put the run first, then you would have got you would have got a lot more of um, of like Rohan, and you would also got a lot of like himself in that as well, because he is he is like not the main character, but he he's never the really the main character in any of these. It's always the person he's talking about who's the main character. Yeah, but it's all through his lens and his eyes and his story views challenges that he's directly brought against. And also, I just think that. The Run and Millionaire Village are the best episodes, and it's weird to leave them to last, which is maybe why they did, to make you hungry for more. <laughs> mm. I'm glad I've got those to look forward to. Um, I, I do think, like, of the, the ones I've seen so far, it, the, the confessional obviously is the one where stands are basically irrelevant. We don't... We get them remarked very briefly at the end. Someone remarks, oh, what, is what you observed in fact two stand mm. users fighting or something and that uh, and not a this mysterious um um uh mythological thing going on and like i think netflix deciding to not put your nine series worth of backstory front-loaded in your four ep- four episode show is <laughs> an understandable thing i think sure. I think like like going 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 soft on that that and uh, introducing it once you've like I think even if you have no idea what JoJo's is you could enjoy those first two episodes. Well, well reportedly this was originally conceived of as a, as an original series and then Araki loved Rohan too much to not use him as the character instead. <laughs> so it became a spin-off when it was originally meant to be a standalone thing which is usually the reverse i feel which, like which sorry in, in which way like because rohan is the like the everyone is like a short story but are you talking about specific so 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 originally this series was conceived of to be just a regular manga author like wandering around and encountering weird things but araki liked rohan too much so he made rohan the manga author wandering around it was originally conceived of as its own as its own non-jojo's story i see i see yeah i mean and that makes sense. I mean, he does. He's known to love Rohan. Like, if you look at any of the stuff <laughs> that is uh, a spin-off or sort of franchise, like 
He always involves Rohan. Like Rohan at the Louvre is like a fucking manga where he goes to the Louvre. He he has another one with I think Chanel or someone like another fashion designer where it's Gucci. He, oh Gucci. Yeah. He loves Rohan a lot, and you can see why. Like he's a great character and he's really fun to like. It, it makes you love him too. So I'm glad that he did choose Rohan. And to be fair, like the Stan stuff doesn't really come into it much. It, it comes into him defending himself and it does heaven's door does appear a fair few times. Uh, but I, I loved, I loved every minute just to see more Rohan, uh, just to see more Jojo. And uh, the animation's a bit weak, I think, which is understandable yeah. from an OVA. I think, I mean, it's, it's still han- handsome. It's still han- uh, like Araki's his way of, of drawing Rohan, is just like so, so iconic and like the, the 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 possession of the little girl in the first episode like with the uh the, <laughs> the tongue the demon on the tongue yeah yeah like that that was Ooh. that was like very 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 jojos and mm-hmm. like it was it was just vi- visually very enjoyable even if even like i think you, you can get away with so Poor animation with that, just because each shot is so is so visually enjoy just yeah enjoyable and also works because like also the the color scheme constantly changes as well, which is also a very big JoJo yeah. trait now in the anime, and I absolutely adore. Uh, the opening is also really great. I love like the weird sort of yeah. like lava lamp esque flow of it, and then it sort of morphs into sort of shapes of the four stories that they're trying to tell. Um, I would say yeah. I'm really happy to have watched these and I hope they do more. I don't know what Netflix is planning. I guess maybe they're trying to, they've bought it. So they've clearly put these four episodes out and if they're doing well, then hopefully it will, they'll get some more funding to do more episodes. Like yeah. there are two volumes of this manga, so there's no way that they can't do more stuff. Uh, it's just depending on the money and the interest. I mean, for Netflix, it's an easy win. Like they, they've already got Joe, jojo's on there they just go okay so this is doing well in metrics these these exist no one else has the license to them we'll just pick them up and on they go and there's no confirmation that part six has been picked up by anybody yet after uh part five finished so maybe netflix will be the one who pick up picks up that it would be interesting i think part six are generally people aren't very happy with and then also with part six you then go into steel ball run which is like a weird horse show so i don't know if they're yeah. they, if they're stopping it stopping it at part six would make sense to me I, everything after that is just not really JoJo. Uh, as I understand it, like there's a there's a big, pretty big contingent who consider part six to be the thing you sit through so you can get to part seven. So I I agree. Yeah, <laughs> I think part six is generally considered some of his worst stuff, which is a shame because also it's got some great arcs and great characters in part six. But it's true, um, but also part three. But yeah, yeah it also is great. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's. I think in the end, I'd say this is a, a great taster for for JoJo's. Like, yeah. if you just want to watch a, a couple of quick episodes and get a sense for the visual flair and the the kind of of storytelling Araki he likes, then I think it's like great great little taster. The kind he likes now, because if you go to uh, Phantom Blood after this, you're going to be very badly yeah, disappointed. Yeah, true, 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 very true. <laughs> Someday there will be a tween that's just y'all arguing about like ideal JoJo's, just the the platonic platonic JoJo's. That's part two, Battle Tendency. It's it's short, it's weird, and there's no stands. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so let's wrap it up there. Duncan, uh, I think you have a good idea for our next topic since it's going to be coming out a day, two days after White Day. So White Day in Japan is the day where traditionally people give back uh, chocolates to those who have given them chocolates on Valentine's Day. And I thought it might be quite nice if the the three gentlemen uh, who I'm looking at now on this screen were to think of an enemy they would like to give to their significant others um because not all the anime we watch is necessarily something we'd want our significant others to see (laughs) (laughs) and so i'll be quite interested to see if a what you pick and b if you actually have the guts to go through with it and watch it with them (laughs) i mean i've been there before i I got her hooked on mushishi because it's got like a very medical angle to it but i'm gonna pick something harder this is gonna be hard mode for me what's 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 the weirdest shit I can give her that won't make that won't make her like walk away? <laughs> also, I mean, quite hard because me and my wife do watch a lot of anime together. But I have a I have some I have something for you, Ben Duncan. Don't worry. And also one that she could probably give to me. Uh, for what it's worth, White Day. Yeah, it, it, like you said, um, it's a Japanese way of giving back, but it's usually male to female as opposed to in Japan, yeah. Valentine's is female. As I'm sure everybody knows if you love anime. Yes, just because, I mean, in any romance anime, White Day is like a big plot, uh-huh. even though it seems to be largely obligatory. <laughs> like, you just give back the gifts to the people that gave it like to you. Yeah, I made you chocolate too. It's a lot less thinking. <laughs> yeah. Here's your Geary back. It's kind of bullshit, uh, right? Anyway. Like, the guy's just like, oh, I just got to give it back to the girls who gave me chocolates in the first place. Fine, whatever. Hilariously, if you read if you read the Wikipedia article for White Day, it makes very clear reference to like this is kind of a bullshit holiday that was just invented <laughs> by by chocolate companies who wanted to sell more chocolate after Valentine's Day. So I mean, it worked. <laughs> we can cr- we can create our own tradition, and every year everyone gives obligation anime back to to people. So my whole life is obligation anime, Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> and with that. Remember, rate and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. Find us on Twitter at KeyframesPod. Find us on Facebook. Search for Keyframes Podcast. Email us questions about this topic or anyone we've talked about or just about us or anime. That's how we're doing. Yeah, ask how we're doing <laughs> at KeyframesPodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, tell a friend. Yeah, but not, not just any friend, Then I would choose the, the friend who's recently been in some sort of big uh development crisis with some sort of supernatural <laughs> beings in a forest i haven't seen pompoko i don't know what the fuck's going on you should watch pompoko <laughs> that should be your gift to mids you should watch pompoko together it's cute it's so fun it. <laughs> <laughs> you get to see you get to see a tanuki grow his scrotum so large that he covers the cab of a truck that then drives off a cliff so okay that sounds quite great <laughs> it's got something for everybody Anyway, say goodbye, everybody. Bye!